All right, so we're getting started, and obviously everybody's probably noticed. Um, I have notes, and I'll hand them out at the appropriate time, right? And part of that is, is because we're getting ready, right? Everything we've been doing up to this time has just really been building some, a foundation upon which we can start dealing with some of the more, um, the, the topics that we're going to, and the rest of it's really going to be topic-driven, as we work through the rest of this semester and then really the next semester, we'll, all of this will be, it'll be the same idea, the same principles. Uh, we'll just be working through topics as we're working through that. And so the topic for tonight is technology. Okay. And so, um, man, you know, technology, you know, is this kind of interesting? I use this quite a bit. You know, there was a time, and you go back a thousand years or whatever, and it would take 500 years for technology to double. 500 years for technology to double. And then it, you know, as we learn more and, and we're progressing and technology kind of kicks in, and then it would, it would double every 250 years. And then it would be 100 years. And then it would, it would be 50 years. So the technology that we have would double. I mean, literally, technology is doubling like about every 24 months. I mean, and that's just a rough... It's just... It's, it's crazy how fast technology is moving. And we're going to say it's really not just technology, but there's a lot of things. But this is an easy one that you can turn around and measure. And again, when you, when you think about it, I mean, you've got more... You got more information available in your pocket or in your purse than what somebody would a hundred years ago for a lifetime. For a lifetime. And so it's it's just a huge piece of our culture. It's a huge piece that drives our culture. And so we need to understand how technology affects us in the good and also in the negative ways. And so some of that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But here's the thing is, is we're going to open up with table time, right? Instead of just kind of giving you something. And, and I, I realized this because I printed up the notes and then there's the table time. And that's, and that's the, the topic that I want you to discuss. And then I realized the very next slide, I answered the question. So, and, and I know some of you would just would look at the notes anyway. So um, here's what I want you to do is I want you to talk at your table. Is technology neutral? Man, I hear people tell me that quite often, and, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts. Is technology neutral? Take a few minutes, join a table, and talk about it. What do you think? And, and just saying yes or no is not, that, that's not it, okay? Let me, <laughs> you got to tell me why it's yes or why it's no. Go. <laughs> it's neither good or bad. It's neither good or bad.
Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't cheat. Well, somebody already should know the answer. <laughs> she should already know. Bob, what'd you do? I got so excited, I just hugged that holy ground here. <laughs> Tough message you were preaching this weekend, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay, how are we doing? Have we have we resolved the issue? Do you need another 30 seconds? All right, let's bring it back in. What did we what did we come up with? What did you guys come up with at your tables? Is this technology neutral? It, no, it's not. Who said so everybody agrees, disagrees with that? It depends. <laughs> what do you mean by that, right? What do you mean by that? And how'd you come to that conclusion? So, Leland, you think it's neutral. So he thinks it's neutral. You say it's not. Bob says it's not. Um, any? Kevin? Neutral? Neutral? Who says it's neutral? What do you mean neutral? Neutral, it's neither good nor bad. It's neutral. Okay. Neutral?
Any other? So that's neutral? Okay. We're going to. <laughs> We're going to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. It's, it's not neutral. Okay. Yeah, technology is not neutral. Think about it. If you, when you create an item, you create it, when you design it, when you invent it, whatever it is, it's designed with a purpose. It's designed with a purpose. Everything, even, even the artificial body parts, right, that are made, it's designed with a purpose. So, it, so we would ask, is that purpose good or is it bad? And I think most inventions of technology, they start out, they have good purposes. And so even just from that, it's not neutral. Okay. And it's just, I was having a discussion, this is a while back with my, one of my nephews, and he was, he was oh yeah, it's technology's neutral, absolutely. Yeah, and how do you know that? Well, I was watching a YouTube thing, so that, you know, that's usually when I know I've got them. You know, if, if your source is YouTube or Wikipedia, okay, you're mine, I, I own you. And, uh, and so I just pulled out a hammer, and I said, what is this? And he says, it's a hammer. Neutral? He says, it's neutral until you use it. And I said, okay, so the hammer's just sitting there, and so that's neutral. And I said, no, that's negative. Because that hammer was designed for a particular purpose. And if it's not being used for the purpose that it was designed for, it automatically becomes a negative. I said, now... I can use that hammer to build a house. Positive or negative? Positive. I can use that hammer to bash somebody's head in. Well, it depends. It depends who the person is. <laughs> Did he take my parking spot or not? Right? <laughs> it just depends. Right? And so, again... Now, that's where we can get into good technology can be used for bad purposes. And so we can certainly get into that. And so you've got the sheets in front of you now, right? All technology is designed for a purpose. All technology is. Again, nobody just spends 10 years of their life designing something. What does it do? Nothing. But I'm charging a lot of money for it, right? It's all designed with a purpose. 
Also, another way, technology moves us to think and act in a certain way. And so there's the purpose of the technology, and then there's the effect of the technology that it has upon us. Right? And so it moves us to think and act in a certain way. Right? Technology changes our lives in bad ways as well as good. Now, on this one here, we can turn around and we can talk about even though... The, oh, how am I trying to say this? The purpose of the technology can be good, but if we don't think well on the front end of the development of that technology, we can pass over the harmful effects of that. Right? There's a reason why Meta is being sued by 36 states. Right? Facebook. Yeah, they're being sued by 36 states, and there's a reason why. There's a reason why Google has had to pay a multi-million dollar fine in Great Britain, right? Because they're using the very technology that they have, not just as it being used and it's having harmful effects, right? They're not being sued for that. They're being sued because they knew the harmful effects that their technology was having and they did nothing about it. And so, again, the idea, right, Facebook, oh, it's just a community gathering of people. Well, it didn't take long for Meta to figure out, man, the people that can get addicted to that and the harm that comes from it, whether it's Instagram or TikTok, right? Its initial idea may be good. I don't know about TikTok. But anyway, the initial idea may be good, but we soon, soon learn the harmful effects because we don't think well about the technology. It's, um, I had some, I took them out so they're not on your sheet, but it's this whole thing. It's just, oh, I can't I think it might have been back in May. I can't remember. It's, it's within the last 12 months, right? Uh, President Biden brought in, because they're trying to deal with the whole artificial intelligence thing. And they're, he's bringing in all the experts on this. And he's like, man, you know, we need to do something because there's a lot of harm that can be done through AI. And so some of the people, I mean, you, you had Zuckerberg was in there and Musk, and um, you had all of these high-tech CEOs, the people that developed this stuff. And it's like, we, we need to figure out, okay, how are we going to control this? What are the harmful effects? And I'm thinking, why don't you just bring the fox into the hen house, right, and say this is going to be okay. But what's interesting, they didn't have any ethicist in there. They didn't have any philosophers to sit there and say, hey, let's just talk about the humanity aspects that's going to be affected by this. And that's how technology gets unleashed without any thought to how is it going to be harmful to humanity. We got the, we got the positive parts down. Right? We got the positive parts down. I did an experiment with, with our students last year. It was last year, I think, where you guys had to figure out about Meta. Yeah, it's this one, Meta was coming out, and they were their Metaverse. And so I gave the students two weeks to, we knew, you don't have to figure out what's going to be good about Metaverse, because Zuckerberg will tell you that. They had two weeks to figure out what's the harm that Metaverse is going to bring. And you have to think through that. Man, if we could get Zuckerberg to do something like that, that would be incredible, or the other high-tech people. You know, we must think well about the technology 
before we begin using the technology. And this really, that's what a lot of this is about here today. So anyway, here's your definitions. People cry and whine because they end the definition technology. First, we're just going to do wisdom, right? The ability to think and act with good judgment. That's wisdom, right? Knowledge is not wisdom, right? It's applied Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The, yeah, the horse has already left the barn, and now we got to figure something. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. You're right. Here's discernment. It's the ability to, to distinguish the true and the genuine from the false and the counterfeit. And this is something that we clearly lack within our culture today: is discernment. We lack discernment. Technology. It's the application of techniques employed to solve human problems. And that's the definition. And there's a lot of different definitions. This was just probably one of the simplest ones out there uh, that I felt like it encompassed the whole thing. So information technology, right? This is the use of computer systems for collecting, storing, accessing, and retrieving data. And again, it's important that we don't confuse knowledge and technology with wisdom. Just because we have knowledge about something doesn't mean we have wisdom. What's the best way to use or apply that knowledge? And then that becomes wisdom. And another thing, certainly with our younger generation, feeling is not thinking. Feeling is not thinking. Sarah? I'm sorry? <clears throat> well, that's a good question. If, if you're, I, I guess if you're talking about something that's tangible... That we, I, I, I think you could probably say it's all technology. I, th I think you could. I mean, I'd have to think about that some more. That everything we is it is it technology, or it could be. I guess so because even if you take an existing technology and you find some a new use for it, then you haven't really invented anything. You're just reapplying something. So, but you have yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. so if the world was perfect, then we still oh yeah 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 we would still be creating things even if there was no sin I think once but never mind that's you know that'll take us down a rabbit trail that I probably I may never get off right so we're, I'm not going to do that yes we would still create good question wish I had a better answer right <laughs> information technology we covered that again feeling isn't thinking right cyber culture it's the modern values, habits, and social conditions brought about by the widespread use of the Internet. Right? And so, you know, I heard that the Internet was invented by a person and it was just for military purposes. I don't know if that's true or not. Is that true? Okay. So it's, it's a good purpose. Man, you want to talk about something that's gotten out of control. Clearly it has. Okay, so technology benefits. And again, there are benefits to technology. I think, you know, it's, it's important that we understand that. And I think we do, right? Efficiency gains is just about every field of study. I mean, man, technology brings efficiency. 
that brings efficiency. Right? Artificial intelligence brings efficiency on steroids. I mean, what can be done with AI is just amazing. What it's doing in the medical field today is incredible. So there's great things that are happening with technology, right? It raises the standard of living, right? It's given us large gains in personal health and length of life. I mean, right, we've talked about the cultural mandate and flourishing. Man, we are to create a culture of flourishing. We see this in technology. And again, just like what Sarah was, was kind of implying, if the world was perfect, if there was no sin, right, we would still be creating stuff like this. This is flourishing that we see within this technological realm. It's used, its purposes are good, it's being used in a good way. That's awesome. You know, that's how God created us to do good for humanity with the technology. That is flourishing. Cost of delivering information is incredibly low. I mean, people almost expect it to be free now on how you're going to deliver information from one place to the next. You know, what would take weeks to get some, some news information, just it's not even seconds, and it's been delivered. So detriments of technology, All right? One, too much information, technology, or social, like social media can be distracting, All right? It does all of these things. It leads to loss of productivity at work shortened attention spans, sleep deprivation, a herd mentality or inside-the-box thinking. You know, when you think about it, and it's just, you know, there, there's a lot of good, and I, I'll just stick within the realm that I'm in because I run the bookstore and everything, and there's a lot of good books that are out there. But most of the books that are written today, man, the chapters are really short. Man, they just deliver some quick information and it doesn't take a lot to process it. It doesn't take a lot to process it. And that is, it's being written, books are being written like that because our attention, pan, attention spans are so short. We just can't take the time to pour that in. Josiah Quinn was, uh, that was just in here. We're kind of, we just started working through a book together. It's called Biblical Critical Theory. And we try to read a chapter, and then we'll sit down and we talk about it. It's 600 pages long. Now, I'll, I'll be retired by the time we actually finish the book. But part of it is, is it's just, it drives us to deep thinking, but it also disciplines us to stay in a thinking mode longer. Where we have to search out, and we have to discuss the answers, and we have to work through those things. Man, if you're just getting your news just off of news feeds on your phone, man, the best you're doing is just reading headlines. It shortens our attention span. Um, I was just reading the note I had up here. But again, the harm that comes from us, it's distracting again. How much time do we, you know, do we start at work where we just pick up our phone and we just, we're just, again, we're running through the news feeds or something when we should be working. Guilty is charged, right? And so I can call it research, but that's really not. It's, again, man, it's, we waste tons of time and we know the scrolling effect, right? I'm just going to check this real quick. 20 minutes later, I'm still just checking. I moved beyond checking and now I'm, I'm just looking at all other kinds of stuff, <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'll just let you in on the joke, right? I just had a pacemaker put in. And one thing the doctor said, he said, you know what? Don't put your phone up to your pacemaker like that. And so Anna's over there, hello. <laughs> Do I need to put a six-inch guard around your pacemaker? So anyway, so that's, that's kind of that's the joke. That's not a joke, but anyway. <laughs> Let's move on, right? Man, look at this. This is just some, some information, right? Students take more notes on their laptop but they remember less than when the notes are handwritten. You can take more notes on your laptop, but you remember less of what you typed up than if you wrote them out by hand. And I just chuckle, right, because I'm 60 years old, and I'll, we'll meet with, we got a lot of young people on staff that are working with us, and, and we'll, hey, we need to meet, and we need to talk about this or this or that, right? Julie, you'll appreciate this, right? So we show up in the cafe. They've got their laptop. I've got my legal pad. <laughs> and they're like, what are you doing? I said, this, this right here, it's called paper, right? And this is a pencil or a pen. You know, it, it's not just in a museum. You remember more when you write it down than when you type it up. And that's just one of those negative effects that you get from technology. That was just like... Um, I just saw this today, American Eagle. Are you familiar with the clothing brand? Right? You'd have to go back and you used to think, I mean, it was almost, they had American Eagle and it was in cursive. Well, they've changed that. Now it's in block. It's because younger people can't read cursive writing. They well, they can't write in cursive and they can't read in cursive. And I just thought, wow, what are we missing out by not being able to write in cursive? Can you write in cursive, Leland? Can you read cursive? Okay. You're, one, you're the higher echelon, right? <laughs> you know, it's just crazy stuff like that that we just, oh, well, we don't need cursive writing anymore. I mean, I think you need it just for what it does for your brain. Anyway, we'll move on. Oh, I already did that. So next. Two, information technology can hurt the depth of human communication. Oh, man, right? People today, especially younger, they struggle with face-to-face interaction. One of the biggest problems within the workforce is Gen Z entering the workforce, and they don't know how to interact with people. They don't know how to have face-to-face discussions with people. And it's driving their managers crazy. How do I motivate this to be able to interact with my team that we can turn around and excel in what we're supposed to excel at when we struggle with the whole communication aspect of it. Technology has brought us to this, right? Younger people today struggle with social skills to solve their interpersonal skills. And never mind, I'll I'll leave that one alone too. Three, information technology can make us more narrow-minded, right? This idea called confirmation bias can be developed by social media and their algorithms, right? When you hit a like on X or Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, how long is that going to last like that? Where you got to say X followed by formerly known as Twitter, and then we could just, anyway, that's, that's, that's just another pet peeve. But you get these algorithms that are in there, and they direct information according to what your likes and what you review. And they just keep feeding you more information about what you already like. 
And so you're not getting any other information to oppose your ideas or to challenge your ideas or to challenge your thinking. They just keep feeding you what you want. And it comes up with this idea of confirmation bias that you think, well, everybody thinks the way I think. Well, no, you don't. It's just the algorithms keep feeding you what you think. Bob? Bob? Yeah, and that's what's got Zuckerberg in so much trouble. I mean, literally, that very idea has got, is why 36 states are suing him, um, is, is that very idea. Um, and again, you know, I was just thinking about this. Look, if you only get your news from Fox News, confirmation bias. If you only get your, from CNN, confirmation bias. Because they're only reporting from a particular angle. They all do that. And say, so, well, everybody thinks, no, not everybody thinks like that. Get multiple sources on that to, to open that up to see how do other people think. I mean, again, you know, that's, you know, that's how I, I, I do apologetics. That's how I do worldviews. I mean, I go to atheist websites and I read, what do atheists say? What do Mormons say? What do they think about this? Confirmation bias. Algorithms feed your personal likes or, and they filter out your dislikes except for the other stuff that they want you to have that you don't really care about. Information technology doesn't create intolerance, but it does expose it and enable it. It doesn't create it, but it does expose it, and it does enable it. Man, there's people that will say things via text that they would never say to you face-to-face. Man, it's easy to be bold on social media, but when you sit down to talk with somebody face-to-face, they're like, they would never say that to you. Remember, they can't have face-to-face interactions. They struggle with that. But they'll say it on, on a text. It was just, you know, because I, I hang around young people, it's just like, you know how they break up now? Text message. Text message. <laughs> At least they don't put it on social media. I guess that's a plus, right? Four, information technology is used to steal the innocence of our children. Man, if you got a phone, if you're on the Internet, if you got a computer, laptop, tablet, and, you know, and your, your child does, and it's just unmonitored, trust me, they're going to be exposed to porn. It's not... If, it's when. Even if they're not looking for it, it's going to show up. And again, this is one of those areas, again, where it's gotten meta in such a huge problem is they're doing nothing to, to filter that out. Technology will find you. The algorithms make sure that that's going to happen. Um, and it's no accident that it appears before our children's eyes. Man, our youth are exposed to degrading, demeaning, and perverse content. Whether they're looking for it or not, it's coming. This guy, Quentin Schultz, he's the habits of the, of the high-tech heart. He says, in short, we, 
If we fail to cultivate habits of the heart, such as discernment, moderation, wisdom, humility, authenticity, and diversity, we risk losing a sense of what it means to bear, bear God's image well and in the process lose sight of what the good life is and what it means to be human. Man, and when we look at the whole social media technology aspect, it robs you of that. It robs you of that. So temptations of technology. It tempts us to lose focus, right? We talked about the short attention span, right? Multitasking. I remember a time when we'd go in and we'd interview people and we'd interview them about multitasking because we think, you know, can you multitask? Well, really what we know now is is you, you do terrible work when you multitask, or you don't do work as well. Man, study after study shows that's a less efficient way of working. You're better staying focused on one task, right? Complete the task and move to the next task. And we really thought that that was a big, oh, well, that, yeah, everybody's got to be able to multitask. It was a disaster. You, I mean, you're wanting something that you don't even know what you're wanting because you just don't know the effects of it, Right? You don't believe me? All right, try texting and driving. Right, there's multitasking. Huh? <laughs> it tempts us to isolate ourselves. Technology tempts us to isolate ourselves. Again, what are the big battles today in the corporate world? It's, man, are you going to work in the office or do you get to work from home? It tempts us to isolate ourselves. Information technology seems to improve in communication with those far away and diminishes or damages communications with those who are truly central to us. Oh, I'm connecting with so-and-so who's a missionary in Uganda. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. That, ah, that's, that's exactly it. Tell me nobody's ever seen this. Or been a part of this. Everybody's at the table. They're all looking at their phone. I'm guilty of it. Yeah. I mean, that's our world today. What's that? Well, Yeah, they, yeah, you get into that social media, that technical bubble that you're in, and that's what you're comfortable in. You, can, you communicate. I mean, you send out words, you send out language, you send out letters, um, and that's communication. But, you know, there's so much that's lost, and we know that. I can send a text message, and, and again, I'm not one that's going to turn around and put lots of emojis and exclamations, and you know the grammar's going to be wrong anyway with me. And so it's, you know, what does it really mean? Am I angry? Am I sad? And so you lose. And again, that goes back to the interpersonal skills of the face-to-face interaction. It's that's what you're comfortable in. That's what you're working in. And so you, you don't learn how to communicate. Look at them. I don't know. He's like, Dad. Uh-huh. Oh, through their, 
There are positive ways to do that, but here's the issue is, is you're, they, only, they will only be confronted with what they want to be confronted with. True. Right? And that's, that's where cancel culture comes in. That's where they'll ghost you. That's where, I mean, you've got all of these things that are going on. They just cut you off, and again, they control the whole thing. You know, they control the whole thing. Yeah, it can be. And, Definitely. Definitely. Yep. <clears throat> Leland? Okay. So that's just damage control. So they're not really reaching you through the technology? Is that what you're saying? What do you know? You're just a young kid. Yes. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, you're, I think, I mean, I'm not saying that there's nothing you can do with that. I think there's, there's opportunities to open the door, but it's never going to get you all the way there. That's just like saying, oh, you can do church online. No, you can't. that's not church. I mean, I don't, I don't care what you call it. I know we do church. We, we, you know, you can watch our church services. That's not church, though. Efficiency. Yeah, efficiency, yeah. but you didn't get anything. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is an interesting thing. This was uh, coming out of COVID. This was uh, it was it was a, a church organization over. I think it was in Switzerland is where they were at. And um, yeah, th just like everybody else during COVID, that you know they went online. You know that's all that they had. But coming out of COVID, this church organization they stopped doing online services. They didn't, they didn't send them out. And they told their people, church takes place here amongst the body of believers. The body, of, this is church. You watching that line, that's not church. And they just stopped it. You want to come to church, you're going to come to the here. Leland? Yeah, literally, a student, he's a former student, I taught him, and um, it was his junior year before he had in-person class. Bright, intelligent young man, and he's like, you know, people don't want to have discussions online, they're, they're just posting because they have to. And so you lose, and again, you're back to the, we don't know how to communicate, we're, we're back to that. Um, so great discussion, great thoughts.
Uh, number three, it tempts us to be superficial. Technology can tempt us to be superficial, right? God designed us person-to-person communication to be profoundly meaningful, right? Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper suitable for him. Man, he built us for community. He built us for community. And you can say, I've got a thousand friends on. They're not your friends. They're not your friends. Yeah, they're just, yeah. <laughs> they're peeping toms. <laughs> they're just peeping into your life. I like that. So, yeah, it's just, man, that, that's not doing life. That's not doing life with people. God created us to do it in community, to live in community. Um, and so it's, just, it's, impo- it's important. Texting, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, that's not community. That's not community. Right? We were made to be in community with each other. Four, it tempts us to give in to evil. Sarah? I think there's definitely some, there, there's some benefits to FaceTime. I mean, you know, for us, right, our grandchildren, they don't live here. And so, man, our daughter-in-law, she just, she on FaceTime. I mean, we get, if it wasn't that, we wouldn't get to see them but once every quarter or something. And so they get, the, I think that's beneficial, but that's not complete. It's not complete, right? It keeps your grandkid from running away from you because they've never seen you. At least they've seen your face. And so there's benefits to that. It's just not going to fill everything in communication that it's meant to be. That's, I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? Or? Excuse me. I, you just jump in. Hey, I don't think you should buy that car. I know what she, I don't think you should. It's not a good car. <laughs> it tempts us to give it. Alila, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, that's good. There's no risk involved. Yeah, you can you can stop that and and obviously there's no growth then either, you know, with that. That's good. Thanks, Leland. All right. It allows the dis- deception to spread at a faster rate while there's good that also it allows deception to spread at a faster rate. Think, you know, fake news, online dating, right? You can be whoever you want to be. Again, claiming, you know, AI art as one's own. Man, I found this is just doing some research, right? Artist, this is a title. You can go, you can find it. It's an article. Artist wins photography contest after submitting AI-generated image, then forfeits prize. Just generated it through AI, submitted it, won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With makeup on, I look like Shrek. Without it, I still look like Shrek. It's all. It's all. <laughs> Man, it tempts us to do evil, right? 
So the biblical worldview and technology, let's look at that. Let's look at that. All right. The biblical worldview helps us unmask technology's illusion of neutrality. It helps unmask that, that it's, technology is not neutral. It's never neutral. It's never going to be neutral. It was never intended to be neutral. Right? If somebody says and they give you a, a reason for that, it's, it's, it's a shallow reason because there's all of these other reasons why you know it's not. Right? Biblical worldview can help us think rightly and act accordingly about technology. Technology is never passive. It does things and undoes things. This guy, Neil Postman, uh, this is Technopoly. He's got another great book, and it's been out for years, and it's called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Uh, that will actually be, we'll talk more about that next week when we talk about art and entertainment. Um, but he's, he's done some great way. And again, it's been out 10, 15 years, so it's, it's been out a while. Um, and then another Neil Postman. Uh, embedded in every tool is an ideological bias, a predisposition to construct the world as one thinks rather than another, to value one thing over another, to amplify one sense or skill or attitude louder than another. Right? And when we look at technology through a biblical worldview, we get to kind of strip those and peel those layers of that onion back that we can see, okay, what's the good but also, where's the harm? Where's the harm? Two, it reminds us that we're stewards of creation, not masters of it. Man, this is just so important. Um, because we can do something does not mean that we should do it. Just because we can doesn't mean that we should. You know, I was talking with our college students. We're doing a series on identity. And it's just, you know, why did transgenderism just seemed to take off. Yeah, it's technology has now allowed it. It's not that people haven't had these feelings. Wow, I feel like I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. It's not like that's something that's new. That's been around a long time. It's only, you know, you had to learn to deal with it. Now, the science says, oh, you know what? We can take care of that for you. Science, at least, it gives you the perception that we can make that feeling a reality. We're not masters of it. We can't create our own reality. We can either align ourselves with God's reality or we can wreck the reality that's around us and that he intends for us. Those are only options. We either align ourselves with God's reality or we'll wreck the reality that he has for us. You know, we were just, again, we were talking this weekend, like the, your fingerprint. Everybody has one. But they're all different. You are that unique that your fingerprint is different than everybody else's. God made you that way. Now, you can never get rid of the fingerprint, but you can destroy it. You can deface it. You can mar it. But the DNA of who you are is still there. And that's really what we see taking place with the whole transgenderism. And the transitions is, man, you're, a, you're either male or you're female. You can destroy, you can disfigure this, but you can never really change it. You can never really change it. The biblical worldview allows us to see that, that you're image bearers of God. That's the absolute best thing that can be other than becoming a child of God. 
Just because we can do it doesn't mean that we should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. What ethical evaluation is brought in on the front end of the technological brainstorming? Again, this is kind of where I was opening up with. Man, we just get these great ideas. Oh, we can do this. Man, who's there to sit there and say, hey, you know what? What can be the negative effects that could come out of that? Just because we can doesn't mean that we should. Right? Technology is both a friend that makes life easier, cleaner, and longer, and an enemy that threatens to destroy our humanity by creating a culture without a moral foundation. And that's where we're at because we have destroyed the moral foundation, the moral fabric of our society. How do we even determine? How do we even talk about those things? And again, to me, it was just comical that you've got all of these tech CEOs that, oh, we're going to figure out how to control this. You know, that's a moral, that's an ethical situation that you're asking people to make where they have no ethical grounding to make that. So just some headlines. All right, Florida School District bans cell phones. Here's what happened. Natasha Singer, you can go read that one. All right, uh, more Massachusetts school are banning cell phones in the classrooms this year by Brianna Pitts. And this last one, um, it was, was a really good article. It's a cell phone bans uh, can ease students' stress and anxiety. And man, this thing was just chocked full of data. Again, there was a private school in Massachusetts that finally said, you know what? You're done. It's a boarding school. No cell phones. The whole week you're here, when you go home, you can have your cell phone. Man, the students were just livid. Just livid. And most of the parents were, they were, they were okay with it. I mean, one, if I'm spending all that money to send my kid to a boarding school, I want them to learn something. <laughs> and it was almost like, a drug withdrawal the first few weeks. And then the students were like, hey, they, they got to liking it. The, the teacher said, man, they are more attentive in class. Their grades are better. They're learning better. They're turning out better work. I mean, everything was so much better. And there were several students that said, when we go home on the weekend, we don't even take our phones with us. Oh, absolutely. You know what? They, they use burner phones. If they need to call or send a text message, it's just a little burner phone. And, so, man, even the secular schools are figuring this out. Man, this has been a cry that's been heard within the biblical worldview for a long time. The secular schools are starting to see that. All right, and this is just an example of just because we could, should we? And should we edit our genes? You're in a conversation and someone says, gene editing can help us wipe out okay? disease and will improve life for everyone. What would you say? In recent years, talk of gene editing has become extremely popular. Gene editing technologies like CRISPR promise not only to eradicate disease and disability, but also to provide human enhancement and designer babies. But this powerful technology comes with a host of major ethical issues that need to be carefully considered and addressed. You may wonder what ethics has to do with gene editing. After all, doesn't eradicating disease and disability sound like a no-brainer? 
It's true that we can and have used technology to alleviate suffering in the world. And that is a good thing. But sometimes our well-intentioned actions can have devastating, unforeseen consequences. The next time someone says gene editing can help us wipe out disease and will improve life for everyone, here are three things to remember. Number one, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. When we hear about the exciting advances in technology and genetics, it's easy to believe the promise that it will make our lives better or healthier. But as countless stories in science fiction have taught us, simply pursuing innovation for innovation's sake can have dangerous consequences. That's why it's important to ask not only can we do something, but should we do something? As technology continues to advance, the question of should we will get more and more weighty. For example, a group of researchers at the Francis Crick Institute in London used CRISPR technology to edit 18 human embryos. But when they finished, they found that around half the embryos ended up with what they called major unintended edits. These major unintended edits are more harmful than they sound. They can actually lead to birth defects or life-threatening medical problems like cancer. And those issues could permanently enter the gene pool and affect future generations. Sometimes our finite minds don't always foresee the potential dangers or ramifications of these innovations on human life. This is why it's dangerous to separate science from philosophy and ethics. These decisions shouldn't just be left up to scientists or experts who may be preoccupied with scientific advancements without a larger ethical perspective and boundaries. Number two, treating human life as disposable doesn't make our society more humane. Humans aren't simply problems to be fixed or objects to be experimented on. Those 18 edited embryos are actual human lives that have been permanently altered in the pursuit of innovation and science. Many embryos will simply be discarded or destroyed because their usefulness has expired. But defining the value of a human life by their utility is not advancing society in a desirable or worthy direction. The sincere desire to eradicate genetic diseases is understandable, and the longing to heal reflects God's image in us. Ethically sound and medically safe treatments that don't dehumanize other human beings should be pursued. But we must proceed with an ethical framework and an awareness of the human temptation to become like God with our own ideas about what is good and evil, which leads to our third point. Number three, gene editing can't deliver on its promise of control. In the ethics of biotechnology, there's a fine line between healing and enhancement. Healing is fixing something that's broken. Enhancement is trying to improve something that isn't broken. It can be tempting to want to just upgrade healthy people or give our children a leg up in the world through various biotechnical enhancements. But this desire to enhance humanity misinterprets what it means to be human and exposes the urge to have complete control over our lives. We like to think that we have everything under control and that we can protect ourselves from any kind of pain and decide what is moral on our own but technology and human enhancement can't deliver on its promise to meet those deep desires for control. As we discussed earlier, 
this search for control often descends into a chaos of unintended consequences. As long as we keep looking to technology to solve our need for control or security or hope, we'll find ourselves disappointed. What we're missing can't be provided by technology. In reality, our craving for purpose, security, and the freedom to create and invent without hurting others is best met when we love our creator and love our neighbor more than we love ourselves. So the next time you're talking about technology and someone says, gene editing will help us wipe out disease and help create better lives for all, remember these three things. Number one, just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. Number two, treating human life as disposable doesn't make our society more humane. Number three, gene editing can't deliver on its promise of control. For what would you say, I'm Brooke McIntyre. What'd you think of that? Man, there is so much packed into that. Hang on a second, Bob. It's so much that is just packed into that when we just talk about humanity. Because literally what we do is, man, we just create, create our world just as this duality that there's this upper room and lower room and they don't ever come together. You know, it's your feelings and your facts or your values and your, and your nature. Man, God created it all to work together. But, you know, how do you get there? Well, you know what? This is, this is beneficial for, for science. It's beneficial for society, but they never deal with those harmful side effects. And again, when it's easy that you could just turn around and say, oh, you know what? I know that that baby that we just put that defect into, we'll just, we'll just kill it. We'll just abort it. And that's the society that we live in. It says, oh, well, you can just do away with it. That's no big deal. Oh, that's a human being. That's a human being. And we treat it like that, that we're, and again, when we treat things like that, we're no longer human. We're just a machine that can be altered and toyed and tinkered with. And then we, we wonder why we have these struggles with humanity. Bob, I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the balance becomes, it's just, are, are we, does this technology, does it hold high humanity and the efficiency? And again, efficiency is not a problem. That's a good thing. But if it diminishes someone's humanity, that's a problem. That's a problem. And those are the discussions that we, you know, we need to be able to have. Are they uncomfortable? Absolutely. Can that discussion be had in a text message? Absolutely not. It just can't. That's face-to-face -face discussions that we have to be able to have and have those discussions. Uh, three, biblical worldview helps us redeem the use of technology. Some of this we've already covered, uh, but it grapples with what to do not only with the technology we have, but also with what the technology we have does to us. 
right? It's not neutral. It does something for us and it does something to us. And they both need to be beneficial before we proceed with the technology. Uh, We cannot use technology to live better lives without first understanding what it means to live well. What does that even mean to live the good life? What does that even mean? You know, we need to be able to have those discussions. Uh, It helps, uh, the biblical worldview helps us restore the humanity that technology tends to diminish. And again, that's, that's what we've been talking about. It does not have a, technology does not have a moral compass, but those who are behind its creation and use must have and utilize a morality that holds humanity high. And again, you get into so many of these college classes, and I mean, they don't even teach ethics in these things. They don't even teach them anymore. And so what's it rooted in? It's basically rooted in your happiness and a utilitarian view of society, not humanity. So when asking how, we must also ask why. Uh, It also confronts technology's dumbing down effect on communication and community again. We can't have face-to-face conversations. We struggle with communication. Again, these are some of these points that we've already discussed. Technology is not about relationships. It's about efficiency. It's about efficiency. Technology uh, facilitates self-centeredness and discourages other-centeredness. A selfie isn't just a way of taking a picture. It's a cultural movement in which each person thinks the world revolves around him or herself. Jeff Meyer, Summit Ministry. That doesn't mean if you're taking the selfie, you know, that you're just some self-centered narcissist, right? But man, if your life is consumed with that, I just remember the first first trip we took with some college students on a mission trip. uh, We were in Vancouver, British Columbia. It's a beautiful country and everything. And so, you you know, there's, I don't know, 12, 15 of us. And, you know, you know old people. <laughs> I mean, you're trying, you're trying to do this and you, you got nothing. You got, man, this one young lady, she's like, hang on, Mr. Rick. She just throws it up there. Stop, stop, snap. They're all perfect. And everybody's, and everybody's in the picture, right? They're all there. Nobody's cut off. And it's just, man, it's a selfie world. But we have to recognize that that says something about our world. It says something about our world. God loves all people, and we should use things to help us love people better. Right? It's that idea of Facebook or FaceTime. But we live in a culture where we love things and use people. We love things and we use people in our culture. It shouldn't shouldn't be that way. So why should we care? As image bearers, we should be restorers. We need to create and utilize technologies that help restore people's image bearer capacity. We must not, we must not be Luddites, right? A Luddite is it's a person who's just opposed to all technology. We need to get rid of it all. No, there's good that comes. We've already talked about that. There's good that comes out of that. Technology is or can be a part of the cultural mandate of flourishing. And we've talked about that. Technology can bring flourishing. Right? As image bearers, we need to be renewers. As followers of Christ, we have, a bib- we have biblical rhythms that bring renewal to us, our families, our church, and our communities. We need to be renewers. 
right? Confession, and these are just some things that's part of renewing. It's confession, right? I'm just going to a Sabbath rest, right? God's our completer and our sustainer. Prayer, calendar keeping. This is something that just probably in the last year I've heard some people talk about this. Man, the whole church is just, man, there's major events in the calendar. I'm not, I'm not talking just Bellevue. I mean, we just we live by the calendar here. But, I mean, just through the history of the church, you've got these major events that we mark time. Not just time, but we mark important moments within the church calendar. you got, you know, right, you've got Easter. And there's Pentecost. And there's all of these other things. We need to take time for those calendar events. Man, they allow us to step back from the world and to enjoy the very presence of God and to grow that within the community. We need to calendar the, be calendar keepers. As image bearers, we need to be relators, right? God's a personal and intimate God, so should we. We should be also. God walked with Adam in the garden. He dwelled with the Israelites in the wilderness. He sent his son to walk among us, and we will dwell with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Man, God's a relator. We need to be relators. Use technology to communicate worthy messages, and I think that kind of goes back to what Don was talking about. We can use technology to communicate positive messages. You know, and that's, you know, that's why so many people get off of Twitter or X, right? This is toxic. But man, I've seen people on there that are consistent delivering God's message. That's beneficial, and that's good, and we should do that. As image bearers, we need to be repairers. We need to actively repair the lack of discernment that traps us and others on unwise use of technology. We need to have discernment. We need to repair the thoughtlessness that can arise in our use of technology, right? I'll say the things in a text message that I would never say to you face-to-face. We need to actively repair our obsession with the new. Man, you see it on the news all the time, right? Apple's coming out with the latest and greatest, and people are lined up for days to get that. For days. You'll be happy, right? This is, as, as people know, this was funny, right? I was talking about the fingerprint thing. My phone still uses the fingerprint to open it up. So I asked the college students, they said, how many of you guys, your phone still does that? One out of 40 college students, one <laughs> raises their hand. Yeah, no, they just look at it and it opens up. The latest and greatest. Man, we need to break ourselves of that obsession to think that I've got to have the newest iPhone or the newest whatever it is. Closing thoughts. As followers of Christ, we must live out our faith in the areas of restore, renewer, relater, and repairer. These four areas are part of the cultural mandate God has given us. We must constantly remind ourselves and others to not confuse the moment and the story. I don't know if you guys remember talking about that, right? The moment is what's happened right now. And that moment may be good, bad, or just no effect at all that you think, but that doesn't define the whole story. We always need to remember this is just a moment in God's story, and the moment never defines God's story. Don't confuse those things. Right? This is God's story. He allows us to be a part of it. He has placed you and I here in this moment for this time to fulfill our part in his story. We must be faithful with what God puts before us. Questions?
problems, concerns? Kevin? Yeah. Not a Christian author. So if you want to know like what does transgenderism really look like, mm -hmm. the word and then what that looks like in practice, mm -hmm. read that book and see how social media is a driving factor behind yeah. it. So with all those you know, danger warning signs and the, the fallout that you see from it, I'm, I try to think like what would help us as the church and as parents to be able to say, I'm, I'm not afraid to be weird. Mm -hmm. Even if they come home and say, like, oh, my kid's not on smartphone, and I don't, what will it take to push us as a, as a church and Christian culture to say, I'm sorry, I, I care about you more than, have, you know, I'm willing to have these discussions with you being mad at me and not letting you have a phone mm -hmm. But I don't know the lit area. Yeah. What do you think? Did everybody hear that? What do you, what do you think about that? Julie? It's, and I guess, I mean, it's a, go ahead, Leland. Yeah, and, and I think that there's there's definitely truth to that. You know, there's there's an there's an age that's that's right, and you know that for your children. But there's definitely an age that's too early. There's definitely an age that's too early. And I mean, it's a big question. And honestly, the best way I know how to answer that is you taught on culture and a plan. You know, before we can really go and affect and engage the culture, we, really, we need to understand what it is, all right? Kevin's a pilot, and I can turn around and say, oh, yeah, 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 I can do that. I saw Kevin do that. I can fly a plane. I got it. No. 
you, you've got to prepare for that. You've got to plan for that. And I have to understand what it is I'm getting ready to be confronted with, with the plane. I just, and you touched on this. I just don't think most people understand. They know there's a problem in the culture. They just don't know what the problem is. And if I don't really know what the problem is, I'm not going to be able to engage that culture. Right? And if we, and if we, if we settle on something, it, it's going to be a symptom. It's not going to be the problem itself. And I think that's because we don't understand what's out there or we understand what's out there. We don't know how we got there. And how do we get there? I, you know, man, that's a great question. I don't, I, don't, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. I mean, I know that we have to be faithful with our kids, right? I can't raise your kids. You can't raise my kids. And we have to be faithful. That's the starting point is do I know what's out there? Am I preparing what Leland talked about? Don, you had your hand up? Yeah. So real the pressure is peer pressure from others is yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you have a Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a wealth of data to support you. Yeah. <laughs> That's reality. Yeah. Good questions, good discussion. Anything else? If the middle school is not taught, if I'm at one school taught, if you as a parent raise your child that something again got to comment on God's word, like you, my both children, it can sound very cruel to you, but they did not have cell phone or car until they graduated from college. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and parents have this tendency that, oh, well, I'll send them to Bible school and they're going to be missionaries. Well, before you take that chance, make sure you're completely involved in their life and you have everyday investment in them, moral, spiritual mm-hmm. investment, more than educational, yeah. so that they can withstand that pressure to say, yes, yeah, so what? I don't have leather, pressure clothes, or leather scarf, but I'm happy with my skin. I can take yeah. Yeah, and you, and you do. Hang on a second, Sarah. Yeah, and again, but you, you have to, and again, you, you, you can't live in a bubble. I mean, at some point, I mean, you know, that's, that's just greater harm. You have to prepare them. You have to inoculate them. You have to, you know, build this up that they got to know these ideas are out there. What does God's word say about those ideas? How do we respond to those ideas? And again, you know, all of that works because if we just keep it from them and we don't give them that first piece, Man, you just go crazy with the technology when you do get it. Sarah, and then we'll close on that one. What do you have?
Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, the Bible's true because the Bible says it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Let me close this in prayer. It's, dear gracious Father, Lord, we do pray that we would be faithful with what you put before us, Lord, that, um, Lord, you call us to be equipped, and that's with your word and with your way. And, Lord, even with the culture that we live in, we are to be in the culture. We are not to be of the culture. And so, Lord, we, we, we can only engage what we're, what we're around, and we're around it each and every day. So, Lord, I pray that we would grow in Christlikeness. We would be conformed more into your image, uh, that we would uh, receive wisdom from you. We would have discernment in our lives and in our children's lives. We would see that grow. And, Lord, it's, that is for our protection, but it's also for proclaiming your name and extending your kingdom. And so may, may we be faithful with all that you put before us. We love you, Lord Jesus, and it's in your mighty and matchless name we ask these things. Amen.